Thank you, Outlook community. It is so wonderful to be with you again. We really do feel like family, maybe cousins, hopefully good cousins, not bad cousins. Um, it really is lovely to be with you. Um, we've already feel like we've seen some of the community. San had a wonderful time um, with the men yesterday morning, and it was great. Uh, the ladies, um, your community know how to host beautifully. We had a beautiful women's event. Thank you to the team, to the elders' wives. Thank you, and the team that put together such a beautiful um, time outside there. So really, we feel like family. We come in here, and it's just such a gift to be able to commune with you and and spend time with you. So thanks for having us and hosting us, and we look forward to some more time together today. Glenridge as well. We are we're doing well. Um, we've had a great year. Um, it's been it's been a good year for us as a community and a church. I'm sure, like you, everybody was so delighted to get back to church. So it's it's been great for us. We have um, our church community has grown. San and I had some long leave, and we came back, and the church grew. So I think that's a good thing. I mean, we were like, oh, maybe they don't need us, but yeah, no, I think it was a great thing for us to come back from our leave and just to see that the church had grown, um, new people, lots of new faces. So we're in a good space. We're excited for the next season, so um, yeah, we're looking forward to what the next thing God has for Glenridge and the next thing God has for Outlook. So, Good morning, guys. My name is Stan, again, for those that don't know me. It really is cool to be with you guys. We were taking some photos just now. We like to kind of, while on the time mornings that we're away, they put up some photos there and just say that's where we are and kind of, so the church kind of knows where we are and what we're doing. So... Um, but it really is cool to be with you. It's the first time, the last time I was here, I was standing in the middle there somewhere preaching that way. And now I'm standing here preaching this way. This is, this is amazing, friends. This is amazing. This is a sign of things to come. This isn't the point of things to come. A building is not the point of things. It's the, building is, the building is a tool for the task to see the kingdom of God come in a nation, a city, a region, a town, a village, so that... People can meet Jesus so that people can find Jesus. So Jesus can find people and put them into a community of people that will sustain them and look after them and help them grow and mature and become so that they can become what God's called them to be. That's, that's the point of this building. The point of this building was the vision of the church wasn't to build a building. The vision of the church is always Jesus and what he's doing. And so this morning I want to, I want to remind you of a very foundational truth foundational truth. And so if you can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 17. And um, this is foundational. I think the church, we, we kind of use different words, but there's a word that gets used in this passage that is absolutely different to the word we often use in our culture now. And I, let's, let's read the text and then we'll get to what I want to start. It's my, what my, the title of my talk this morning is All Things New. All Things New, if there was needing, needing a title. So verse 1 of chapter 3, this is the NRV. Now therefore there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, 
Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Born of water and Spirit. So you can't see the kingdom and you cannot enter the kingdom and something, until something fundamental has changed in your life, until something so transformative has happened in your life. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and do you not and you don't understand these things. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen, but still people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Jesus, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the man, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. A very well-known piece of text of scripture. When we talk about salvation, we often use the word saved. And I kind of think it's become like, that's the kind of, in my, certainly in the circles that I'm mixing in or living in, Saved, are you saved? Is that person saved? There was a stage in charismatic and Pentecostal history, particularly, where the question would be, but are you born again? And it became a bit weird. In fact, my black friends would differentiate between churches in their communities and townships, and you will say, well, what kind of, what, which church do you go to? He says, no, I go to a born again church. True. Born again church. Trying to describe the difference between what the kind of church or the kind of expression of Jesus that we are trying to do compared to what maybe others are trying to do or are doing. But what's happened is we've kind of forgotten about this word born again. And there's nothing wrong with saved, obviously. I mean, saved is a Bible word. Salvation, saved. It means um, to be healed, restored, forgiven, kind of made complete. It's the complete work of God. It's the Greek word sozo, completely in there. But it kind of, in, in people's minds and vernacular, it kind of gives you the idea that you're stepping across a, 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 a line. Now you've got your barcode, your fire insurance. I'm saved. 
and once saved, always saved, and I'm saved, and we kind of get into all those debates, and I'm saved now, so actually that's it. And then people walk away from God. I thought you were saved. So you, you, you understand there's this, but there's this other word for this transforming power of God coming into people's lives called born again. Born again. And this is the classic text that talks about being born again. So I want to talk about being born again. I want to remind you that you are saved and you are born again. Nicodemus has a problem with that because he kind of, he hasn't got a context for what Jesus is saying. He hasn't got an ecosystem, a framework to understand what do you mean? He's also offended by the fact that Jesus says everybody must be born again. In his mind, in his kind of growing nationalism around the Jewish are God's people and God has come to save them and he's a Pharisee remember he's doing everything that he can to live righteously by the law so that to invite the Messiah back again and so he's offended at this a bit it's like what do you mean what are you talking about are you talking nonsense how can you be born again go back into your mother's womb and Jesus begins to explain to him you see the word born again there it can be translated born again, but it can also be translated born from above. And many of your Bibles will have a little, will have a little uh, letter there, asterisk there, and you can see it can be translated something different. In fact, later in the book of John, he uses this, that very same word to translate the word above. So to be born again or to be born from above, and I think Jesus is meaning both. So you can say the word, hey, I've just nailed it. That means I've nailed it into the wall, I've nailed into the wall, or I've nailed it actually, I've nailed it, I've just hit it out the park. Jesus is meaning both. So we've got to get the meaning of both. And it means this, born again means to have a new start, to have a new beginning. But it also means to be born from above is to have a new source. So to be born again is to have a new start and to have a new source. Never forget, friends, to say that you are walking, to say that you are saved means to be born again and born from above at the same time. You have a new start and you have a new source. Never forget that. Don't try to live an unborn again, born from above life. Were you, were you, were you forgotten that you've had a new start. You've come from drug addiction and a hectic background. Remember, you've been born again. You've had a new start. But it doesn't just stop there because for the rest of your life, you will live by a new source from above. Very important. And so Jesus has to now explain to him what does this mean? And he uses a couple of times in the text He'll say, once you'll say you're born again, and the next time he'll say you're born of water and spirit, and another time he'll just say you're born of the spirit. They're all describing the same thing. So people kind of have arguments about what is being born of the water and what's being born of the spirit, and is it natural birth and, and then spiritual birth and all these things. I think he's just talking about the same thing. 
He's just being, to be born again means to be born of water and spirit. To be born again means to be born of the spirit. He's trying to encapsulate the whole thing. And then what happens is, and this is so key to, to, to understanding this text of what, what Jesus is trying to get at you. Nicodemus doesn't understand this. And Jesus is surprised that Nicodemus doesn't understand this. He says, like, you are Israel's teacher. Remember, he was one of the upper echelon of the Pharisees. So you understand that the, the learning that this man had gone through from a very young age, he had remembered, he had memorized the whole of the Hebrew Bible. When somebody says something, it unlocks images in his mind about what God is saying. It's like you can't help. So when Jesus starts to say you must be born of water, born again, he, he's saying he can't understand. Why aren't you seeing this? Why, why don't you? Do I have to explain this? You are meant to be teaching others, but you're not, you're not getting this. So one of the big questions that you have to ask to understand what being born again means is this. What did Jesus expect Nicodemus to know in the Old Testament that he should have known, that he would, should understand what he's talking about? And one of the texts, and there's a few of them, is Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 to verse 27. I'm going to read it to us. Because this is what it means to be born again. To be of water and spirit. To be born of the spirit. Ezekiel says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and, a new sp- and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. See, water and spirit. You see, to be born again, friends, is to be born all over again into a new framework of understanding of how the universe is meant to work, how humanity is meant to function. And what happens is, and that that ecosystem, that framework, that is called the kingdom of God, And you can't see the kingdom of God. In fact, it's foolishness to people. And you can't enter the the kingdom of God unless this, this transformation has happened in your life. You see, this is not something that's put on you like a sticker. This is something that happens deep in you because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And Ezekiel's saying this, he's saying a time is coming when there will be a spectacular, transformative new beginning and the powerful gift of the Holy Spirit that will transform the hearts of people. And Jesus is picking up on this and trying to explain to Nicodemus, this is what it means. You see, this transformation is all-encompassing. It's at the very deepest level of who you are. It's so deep, you, you can't undo it. It's so, it's so profoundly in you. It's so transformative. It changes everything about you. It talks about being washed clean. It's so transformative that it's like you were born all over again. 
It's that deep and that profound. I remember coming into Glenridge Church. We went to church for years in Hillcrest. And I was such a pew warmer. I was such a hockey guy and a sport guy. And you know hockey clubs, they are drinking clubs with a hockey problem. That was me on a Sunday. I walked into Glenrith Church and I'd been led to the Lord. I, I kind of knew the Lord. I, there was something I'd, I was kind of in that space or that frame of mind that kind of knew. There was a line that all my friends would go over, I wouldn't. Like I had this sense of right and wrong kind of thing. But when I came in there, I think I got born again. Because everything changed. Things that were a hassle and a hack, all of a sudden became exciting to me. Things that were very attractive and very likable, I actually started to think, hey, I don't know if I can do that anymore. Not because somebody told me to. Where I spent my time. For me, it was more exciting to go to a prayer meeting than to go to a hockey meeting. Something happened in me. And when I've been looking at this, I thought, hey God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Something changed in me. My family noticed. What's happened to you? Something's changed. You see, this all-encompassing transformation that happens to you, friends, it cleanses you of your past. To be born again, to be born again, can I just, to be born again should mean that your past has no power over you. You need to remember when the devil starts to accuse you that you have been born again from above. It's almost like God comes and restores an innocence to you like a baby. More than that, he's given you a new heart. It's at a deep heart level. He's changed your heart of stone and given you a heart of flesh. Not fleshliness, softness. Something that is sensitive. A stone is insensitive and cold. A flesh heart is it's sensitive and moves. It's an organism that moves and blood flows and it's able to. That's what it means to be born again is to get a new heart. And to out of that source to begin to live this new life. And you live for the rest of your life learning how to better live that life, our life in the kingdom of God with this new heart. It doesn't all happen at once, but there's the motivation, the deep sense of that's in you begins to change. He says, I'll put a new spirit in you. Your spirit, small s. I'll give you a new spirit. It's, it's, it's like your spirit will connect with the big S spirit in a whole new way. Your relationship with God, although you can't see him, you're about to discern him. Although you can't see him, you're about to hear him. I want to remind you of what it means to be born again. Not just to be saved. 
It changes the motivation within you. He says there in Ezekiel 36, he says, my spirit will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Nobody's going to have to tell you that's right and that's wrong. You'll know. Nobody will have, your, your spirit, this, 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 new, this new source from above comes in you and it becomes a personal relationship with this heavenly source, this heavenly father, and he moves you. He compels you by love. He, it's, not, it's not something he puts on you, it puts something he puts in you that you want to. And even though it's difficult, you learn, you learn to move and have your being with him all the time. Until it becomes second nature. Until you begin to grow up in him and mature in him. Not being an infant, worrying about this, but actually beginning to eat meat, it says later on in the scriptures. So that you can, be, you can move on and move where it's actually not all about you. You see, when you're born, it's all about you. But when you get older, it's not about me. It's about my children and my children's children. It's not just about my family. It's about who's around me. You begin to mature and you grow. But it starts off with this new transformational power of being born again. That's why repentance is such a key part of being born again. Repentance is not a legalistic word. Repentance is that moment, because you see, when you're born again, and you're motivated within, you're able to hear, you're able to discern God, you begin to live life by revelation, not obligation. You live life by revelation, God begins to speak to you through, his power, through the word of God, through the Bible, and by his voice, and through the community, and all these different avenues of the way he speaks to us. And what happens is, his truth becomes revelation to you, it becomes it becomes transformative. And when you, when, you, when you start to have revelation that whatever you're doing is not the right thing to do or whatever you're doing you shouldn't be doing or whatever it is or what you should be doing you're not doing. When you get revelation of that from deep within your heart what happens is you realize man I've done this wrong. I didn't know this. Which leads to repentance. See, repentance is not saying I'm sorry. That's just saying I'm sorry for could be completely selfish reasons. Repentance comes from a deep revelation that actually what you've done is, that's why there's fruit of repentance because the revelation is what empowers you to new fruit. Repentance is this moment where you see what's wrong or what's right that you should be stepping to and you move towards that in your mind and in your whole being and as you do that, you're saying, God, I'm sorry, I don't never want to be there again. Father, please forgive me. Whatever it might be, God, I didn't know that ignorance. Father, and you start stepping into that more and more. Life, you see, a born again life is a lifestyle of repentance, of ever learning from the Spirit of God and being motivated from within to step into what God has for you. You see, this, this kingdom, this born-again life is a walk with the Spirit of God. I've got four points here. I'm going to get to two. The work of the Spirit in a born-again person is absolutely fundamental. 
It started by the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it continues for the rest of your life, a walk with the Spirit of God. You see, what happens in this born-again life is this, the Holy Spirit becomes the empowering presence to and in and through this new life. And he says here, he says, you, you, you can't, you don't, it's, it's the Spirit of God working, it's like the wind. You don't know where it's coming from and you don't know where it's going to. But you can hear it. Have you ever thought of that? And then he goes on to say, you cannot be born again by any other means except by the work of the Spirit. You cannot engineer salvation in somebody's life, friends. You can try your hardest, but it will not bear the fruit of being born again. You might be able to get them across some kind of a line where they recognize they need God. But to be born again, man. He says the flesh gives birth to flesh and the spirit gives birth to spirit. If you try to manipulate this thing, flesh. But when the spirit of God does it, he gives birth to more spirit. Spirit gives birth to spirit, gives birth to spirit, gives birth to spirit, gives birth to spirit. And he's trying to teach Nicodemus here. He's trying to explain this wonderful thing. Thank God Nicodemus asked this question. Otherwise, we wouldn't know it. It's likened to this wind. It's, you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going to. He's trying to get to, the, 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 friends, can I just say, the work of the Spirit is sovereign. And when he says, you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going to, in my mind when I read that, because I've done geography, I'm thinking, high school, I'm thinking high pressure, low pressure. That's where wind comes from. He doesn't know high pressure, low pressure. He's asking it, where does it come from? Where does it originate? He's not thinking direction. He's thinking, where does the wind come from? Where does this thing originate? How does this come about? You don't know. You see, this, the work of the Spirit and what he's wanting to do is beyond us. And where it's going, where's, where, where it says where it's going there, it's not saying direction, it's destination. Where's the wind blowing to? Now we know it doesn't blow to somewhere. It's like, because we study geography. He's, but what, what, where does it come from and where's it going to? We don't know. It's the work of the Spirit. Everybody's got their own journey with God. Don't try to cookie cut your journey on other people's journey with God. A born again person will not live by the rules of you or the manipulation of you. It comes by the Spirit of God. But he says, but you can hear it. You know, you can't see the wind blowing. If you were in an open field with no trees, no buildings, and you were just standing there, you would not be able to see the wind move. You see, that's why he says, we don't live, we live, we, uh, uh, Paul will say later in Corinthians, we live by faith, not by sight. You don't know where it's blowing. You can't even see it. The best thing you can do is go and stand in the wind and let it rush past your ears and you can hear it. The only reason why you hear it is because you're in the middle of it. 
You see, this born-again life comes with new senses. It's this deep kind of sense of discernment of knowing right and wrong. And you mature in that as you walk with him. This born-again life is, is learning the ways of the Spirit of God. In humility, friends. We don't command the Spirit to do anything. He commands us to move and, move and do our thing. Do his thing. You see, being born again, he, he's, he's got this incredible picture. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and spirit gives birth to spirit. We don't assume the spirit. We don't presume on the spirit. We don't stand in the middle of the wind. You can't, from there, just observe, hey, that's what God's doing. No, the way you observe what God's doing is to be, in, to be in the middle of what God's doing. And then you pick it up. Your ears start to vibrate and you begin to hear, ah, the wind is blowing. I can't see it. I don't know where it's going. I don't know where it's come from. I don't know where it's going. But I know it's blowing. Lord, help me follow that. And then you follow your ears. You follow your faith into more of what God has for you. To be born again means you've got to develop new senses in God. You develop a relationship from above. With Jesus, friends. See, a born-again life is all about Jesus. Jesus at the center of your view. As soon as Jesus becomes away from you, Tyron said this recently at a team meeting. He said, is Jesus ornamental to you or is he fundamental to you? If he's ornamental, you put him on the, on the mantle, please, alongside the praying hands. You know that thing? Everybody's got the praying hands there. It's like you, you, you live in this religious life where you, where you call on Jesus when you need him, when you're in trouble. That's ornamental Jesus. Fundamental Jesus is you always have him in view. So when he's lifted up, he draws people to himself. Jesus is way more than a teacher. You know the world tells you this. If you want to improve society, educate them. So education, and there's a measure of truth in that. Education is very important. The problem is education deals with externals, not internals. Only the Spirit of God can take a heart of stone and change it to a heart of flesh. And for society to change, we need our hearts changed, not just our behavior changed. See, be born again is not just a behavioral change. It's at a motivational heart level change. It means you don't need a teacher. Nicodemus comes and he says, we know rabbi, we know that you're a teacher. Jesus wants to get to him, but you need more than a teacher. You need a savior. You need a king. You need a recreator. You need somebody that can take you back, so transform you that it's like being born again, like you went back to your mother's womb and it happened all over again. And then he uses this weird picture of snakes on a pole. That comes from Deuteronomy. People of God in rebellion, again, God judges them and sends poisonous vipers amongst them. They start dying. 
They come to Moses, hey, please help us, please help us. God says to them, that's fine. Take the snakes, make a brass image of the snake, put it on a pole, and if you look at the pole, you'll be healed. And he, Jesus uses that same image. Except he doesn't say, look, he says, believe. See, believing is keeping your look on Jesus. The thing that came to judge them became the thing that they were saved by. That's the cross. The thing that was meant to be judgment for all becomes the salvation of all. Jesus. You see, this born-again life, friends, comes from deep within where God so transforms us, he changes us from a heart level. It comes by the Spirit of God. You cannot engineer it, and you live your life walking in humble dependence on him for the rest of your life, being empowered by him. Not on your own mission, asking him to join your mission, but on his mission where we are co-missioned with him. This born-again life means that we continually look at Jesus lifted high. A.W. Tozer says this, faith is gazing at Jesus because of this text, looking at Jesus. As soon as you take your eyes off of Jesus, friends, something, that's why when worship leaders don't sing songs about Jesus, faith doesn't enter the room. When you lift Jesus up, when you exalt Jesus and you praise Jesus, something happens. The, the Spirit of God, whose job is to do that, just says, I love what you're doing, I'm on you. I want to encourage you, friends. You're not just saved, you're born again. You haven't just stepped across a line, you've been changed from deep within. You've been given a new start. And a new source. Don't neglect that. Don't take it for granted. Be thankful to God that he found you. And if you're sitting here this morning. And you've walked away from Jesus for some reason. Your heart's gone cold. I'm telling you now that God is inviting you to a born again experience. If you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, Stan, are you flipping nuts? What the hell are you talking about? Snakes and Jesus and born again. And I want to tell you, if you would open your heart to the Spirit of God who is here this morning amongst God's people, He will help you to be born again. He will give you a new start and become a new source for the rest of your life. And as you learn to walk with him and get to know him and get to know his ways, the power of that source will become more and more and more immense in your life. It's called growing in Christ. It's called maturing. It's called being able to minister. Because what happens is he, this new power, this new source becomes something that you can release over others. And give to others and encourage others with. You're born again, church. Outlook Church, remember you are born again. When you go out into these regions, you want to see people born again.
Get excited about being born again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. Sure. On the 19th of August, 1989, I was born again. Hallelujah. And, and I know, because I've done churchy five things, so I can testify what you spoke about today is 100% true. It was not a New Year's resolution day. Hey, I'm going to try this Christian thing. I was born again. Something definitely changed on the inside. Now, you can play church. You can do churchy things. You can, but then you're born again. And when you're born again, you know something on the inside has radically changed. That day, no one had to try and like, sell me Jesus, persuade me over a line. No, no. I was like running to the front because something on the inside, this is the Spirit of God. And I believe what Stan has been speaking about today is massive. The power of the gospel should be radically transforming lives. Not entertaining good people, radically transforming lives. Why don't you stand with us, please? If you don't mind closing your eyes just for a moment. Some of you here today, God has got a hold of you from this message. The Spirit of God is gripping your heart, saying you need to be born again. And you don't need anyone to try and persuade you now. Or No, no, you know because God has got a hold of your heart. And I'm going to give you an opportunity, just with our eyes closed right now. If that's you, why don't you lift your hand very quickly. Today, Lord, I need to be born again. Yep, I'm seeing hands. I'm seeing hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and do your work right now. You do the work, Holy Spirit. And friends, if that's you, if you've lifted up your hand, Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, delivered, set free, born again. And Father, I pray right now that the power of God would come upon hearts and lives right now. Thank you, Jesus. Would you give them just a new heart? Take out that heart of stone. Give them a heart of flesh in an instant, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you would come and infuse yourself with them. Radical union. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of the gospel. And Father, I pray that we as a church would take hold of this truth. We would walk in it because we want to see lives radically transformed for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Those people who lifted up your hand, we would love to pray for you right now. So everyone else is going to go for tea and coffee. But I think it would be great because we can then trust God for a filling of the Holy Spirit as we lay our hands upon you. And so we're giving you that invitation. The elders, some of the deacons will be right here. Everyone else is going to go for coffee. You need to come and see us up front. And we'd love to lay our hands on you and pray for you. Sure. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we give you all the glory and honor and praise. Thank you that your word is real and powerful. Thank you for this ministry from Stan and Heather, from the team. Thank you for your word that you speak into our hearts and lives. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory, honor. Thank you that as we go, we go knowing your gracious hand is resting upon us in Jesus' name. And God's people say, amen. Amen. Let's appreciate Stan and Heather. Thank you so much for your ministry this morning. And uh, wonderful. Friends, don't forget our our tithes and offering boxes at the door. If you want to make use of that, please take your little plastic cup. Don't forget tonight we see you at the city celebration. And those of you who need prayer, come and join us now. Amen.